Father God in heaven, we need your help to hear you speak to us tonight. So we ask by your spirit that you would help us. In your name, amen. How can a person hear from God? What is the way that a human can understand the divine? How can a creature comprehend the creator? The world has a whole host of answers to those questions. Meditation, mindfulness, philosophy, spirituality, hard work, religion, intelligence, and and many, many more beside. In fact, a vast combination of all of those things normally seems like a safe bet. For the Corinthian church that Paul is writing to, their answer to that question was intelligence. They thought that their wisdom was how they could find out about God. Paul makes it clear here that this question is not just a problem for the world. It can be a problem for the church if the church isn't any different to the world. The Corinthians were influenced by ancient Greece and they thought that their human wisdom, their fancy, silver-tongued, eloquent, sophisticated, well-spoken wisdom had elevated them and lifted them up to enable them to know God. Over these last three weeks, we've seen that the Corinthians' problem is that they've become self-centered rather than Christ-centered. And specifically in these first four chapters, that they've been seeking self-centered wisdom. So in this passage, Paul continues to point them away from self-centered wisdom and to Christ-centered wisdom. And the first thing we see in verse 6 and 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that Paul's message is God's wisdom. Look at verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Paul starts with a however, a but. This passage we're looking at tonight is in contrast to what's come before. In chapter 1, verse 18 to 31, Paul has shown the insufficiency of human wisdom. Look at chapter 1, verse 21, for example. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, the world in its own wisdom can't know God. And in chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, Paul has shown us that he doesn't teach with human wisdom. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony, testimony about God. Paul hasn't used human wisdom to try and convince them of the message. So what's going on? Does Paul, Paul simply hate wisdom? Is Paul against wise things? Is Paul just a bit dim? That's what the Corinthians thought. That's absolutely what they thought. They thought that he didn't live up to their high standards of intellect and wisdom 
and oratory. But Paul says, no, there is wisdom to be found. Wisdom that's from, he says, we. We do speak a message of wisdom. From the start of this passage, but Paul switches from saying, I, just glance back at chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, me, I, 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 my, my. And in verse 6, he switches to saying, we. There's some disagreement about who it is that Paul's talking about here when he says, we. Some think it means all Christians everywhere. Some think it's Paul just using the royal we, like Queen Victoria might have said, we are not amused. Others think that it isn't referring to all Christians everywhere, nor is it referring to Paul himself as an individual, but it's referring to one specific group of Christians. I agree. I think the context shows that's the case. There's only one group of people that Paul has talked about so far in 1 Corinthians, and that's found back in chapter 1, verse 12. Apollos, Cephas, or Peter, and Christ. So I think the we in chapter 2, verse 6, includes those teaching and preaching about Christ in those days, specifically the apostles. They are the ones who are the we. They are the ones who are speaking God's message of wisdom. Paul's not against wisdom, and there is wisdom to be found, and it's the message of wisdom spoken by the apostles, including Paul himself. But the question that we have to ask is, well, if Paul's not against wisdom, but he is against human wisdom, then what type of wisdom is it that he's going to be talking about? We'll look again at verse 6. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. Paul says we do speak a message of wisdom, but it's not mere human wisdom. It's God's wisdom. It's the same message that he stated back in chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross. It's a message that might seem like foolishness to the world, a message that might be a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but it is in truth, in reality, the message of wisdom. Paul's message that he speaks is God's wisdom. And in verse 7 to 9, Paul goes on to show us that his message of God's wisdom is incomprehensible to the human mind. Look at verse 7. It's a mystery that's been hidden. Now, now it's not a mystery in the same way that, for instance, the Enigma Code was a mystery. Did, Did you see the movie from a few years ago, The Imitation Game? Benedict Cumberbatch, what a great British name. We we like him to succeed in the Oscars because of his name, Benedict. He played Alan Turing. It won one Oscar. It was nominated for seven others. It's a great film about how the German intelligence codes were cracked 
during the Second World War. How did they break it? Well, they gathered together a group of eccentric geniuses. That wasn't too hard to find in Britain. (laughs) Well, the eccentric part anyway. They got them to work together. They asked them to put in more and more effort and more and more time. And by the incredible power of the human mind, they cracked the codes. It was an amazing accomplishment that helped achieve a great victory. Well, that might be how the Enigma code was cracked. But that's not possible with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is a truth that human understanding cannot discover by itself. It's not a puzzle that humans find difficult to solve. It's a truth and a reality that we are entirely and completely unable to penetrate. So much so that none of the rulers of Paul's time understood it. Look at verse 8. Paul says that Roman leaders, the greatest government in human history up to that point, and for many centuries beyond, and Jewish leaders, the highest religion of the time, couldn't understand God's wisdom. Pontius Pilate, Herod Antipas, the commanders of Rome's legions, the Jewish high priests, they all had incredible human wisdom, great minds, but they understood God's wisdom so little that they crucified his son, Jesus, the Lord of glory. And in verse 9, Paul quotes from Isaiah. Uh, Look with me at verse 9. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived. That's an Old Testament Hebrew way of shutting down any possible avenue of a human knowing or understanding something. If you can't see it and you can't hear it and you can't even imagine it, then it's quite literally incomprehensible. Incomprehensible by human wisdom. Left on our own, as humans, left to our own devices with the capacity for only human wisdom, we cannot know God. In one sense, we can do incredible things. God has given us human wisdom. We can travel into space. We can land on the moon. We can travel and explore the world. We can heal diseases. But we are limited only to the business of creatures of this world. We cannot know our creator. There is a limit, a finiteness to our capacity. And it doesn't extend towards a knowledge of God. So the question that we asked at the beginning still stands. How can a creature comprehend their creator? Or or more personally, how can I know God's wisdom? Well, in verse 10 to 13, Paul tells us that his message of God's wisdom is revealed only by the Spirit. We see that in verse 10. 
there is a way to know God. But it's not through the human mind. It's not through an increase in human capacity. It's not through human wisdom. The creature cannot know their creator until the creator makes himself known to the creature. And that is what God, our creator, does for us, his creatures, by revealing his wisdom to us by his spirit. That is the only way any human can ever know anything about God. There is no other way. Paul here in this passage shuts down all other possible routes. There's no way for a human mind to grasp this message. In fact, he's already set it up. It appears as foolishness to the human mind. But when the Spirit intervenes, when God condescends to speak to us by his Spirit, God's message of wisdom is revealed to us. But Paul goes on in, in verse, uh, the second half of verse 10 and 11, that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. A thought experiment, what am I thinking of now? None of you know, thankfully. It was a stalk of broccoli that we had for dinner. It was lovely. What are you thinking of now? I can take a fair guess. But I don't know. It's not possible. What's the person who's sitting next to you thinking now? We don't know. I know what I'm thinking. You know what you're thinking. But it's impossible for us to perceive each other's thoughts. And if that's the case for us here as humans... How would we imagine it would be possible for us, with simply our human wisdom, to understand and look into the mind of God? To understand God. It's not possible, but, Paul says, but God's own spirit knows the mind of God. God's own spirit knows the deep things of God. So the only way for us to know anything of God is if he reveals it to us by his spirit. And brother and sister, he does. Look at verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. What was incomprehensible is now understood, not through the power of human wisdom, but through the illuminating light of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul comes back to his message, his message and the message of the other apostles in verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Paul and the apostles were once in the dark too, but the Spirit of God revealed God's message of wisdom to them. And now what they are doing is explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. 
Let me just be crystal clear about what this message of God's wisdom is. Look at verse 7. God destined us for glory before time began. Verse 8. God has prepared things for those who love him. Verse 12. God has freely given us. Back to chapter 1 verse 18. God's message of wisdom is the message of the cross. God's message of wisdom revolves around the crucifixion of the Lord of glory, his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It might be foolishness to the world, but God's message of wisdom is that his son was crucified, punished, and killed for our sins and raised for our justification. That is the wisdom of God. That is the gospel. And Paul goes on. Paul's message, of wisdom, uh, Paul's message of God's wisdom is revealed only by the Holy Spirit, but it's also in verse 14 to 15, accepted only by the Holy Spirit. Let me read verses 14 and 15. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Here, understanding and accepting are brought together. It's not that the Holy Spirit reveals the message of God's wisdom to some, only for them then to choose not to accept it. No, the person with the Spirit, the person without the Spirit, neither understands nor accepts God's message of wisdom. On the other hand, the person with the Spirit has both the message revealed to them by the Spirit, they understand it by the Spirit, and they accept it by the Spirit. Verse 15 there, that means simply that those with the Spirit are able to understand all things. They have God's wisdom. (laughs) So they can, in one sense, comprehend the incomprehensible. And if those who merely have human wisdom judge them, that's not surprising at all. Those without the Spirit will say that the message they believe is foolish, silly, futile, ridiculous. But that's because they can't understand it. Because it's incomprehensible without the Spirit. There's only one difference between them. It's simply that one has the Spirit and the other doesn't. And that means that one understands God's message of wisdom while the other doesn't. And one accepts God's God's message of wisdom and the other doesn't. Friends, if you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, God's message of wisdom... And if you understand it, and if you accept it, that is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. I trust you know that. But this passage is a real reminder of the privilege that it is to know the gospel. We can't know God through any other means. through mindfulness or yoga or meditation or through spirituality or mere religion 
or hard work or intelligence. We can only know God through the Holy Spirit. And that was the Corinthian problem. They did think that they could know God through their own human wisdom. They thought that they could get up to God because of their wisdom. We need to remember that we don't understand the gospel because of the time we've put in or the upbringing that we've had or our own intellect or our Bible handling skills or the life group leader that we've got or the pastors that we've had or the sermons that we've heard preached. Even those good things would have remained an utter mystery to us. But for God revealing himself to me and to you by his spirit. Praise God for that. And finally here in this passage, in verse 16, Paul asks a question that we think we should know the answer to. Look at verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We think we know the answer, don't we? We think it sounds like the answer should be nobody, Paul. That sounds right. And and of course, nobody can teach the Lord and nobody can fully know the mind of God. But after all Paul has said in this passage, he can say to close, but we have the mind of Christ. Paul says, I have the mind of Christ. I know God. The apostles have the mind of Christ. They know God. They are only creatures, but they know their creator. Paul's message of God's wisdom is incomprehensible to the human mind but it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit and he has accepted it by the Holy Spirit. And so he can say, in answer to the question, who has known the mind of the Lord? We have the mind of Christ. Of course, it's the same for us. We don't know the mind of the Lord. We can't teach him anything. But amazingly and incredibly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we too gain the mind of Christ. But the Corinthians give us a warning because they had misunderstood God's message of wisdom. They had misunderstood the gospel. They had misunderstood what having the mind of Christ is. Because having the mind of Christ is having a cross-centered mind. The Corinthians had self-centered wisdom, and Paul was pointing them to Christ-centered wisdom. And we can't make the same mistake as them. Because we know that this is the mind of Christ. Christ himself was God But he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he instead made himself nothing. 
He took the very nature of a servant made in human likeness and by humbling himself became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. How foolish, but it's the wisdom of God. How incomprehensible, but not to those who have the Spirit of God. That was Christ's mindset. That was how he won the Corinthians to himself. But they'd misunderstood it. They didn't have it. They were self-centered, not Christ-centered. They were all about self-centered wisdom, not Christ-centered wisdom. They had built themselves up and thought that they could gain some super knowledge of God. And they'd forgotten that Christ had instead come down. And that they understood nothing at all of God but for his spirit. How can we know more the mind of Christ? How can we ensure that we don't fall into the same trap as the Corinthians? Well, the Corinthians thought that they were super, super spiritual. But Paul's about to bring some home truths to them in chapter 3. They weren't. They were super worldly. God's message of wisdom, the message of the cross, is found only in the scriptures. And only by immersing ourselves in the scriptures and understanding and accepting them by the Holy Spirit is how we can know God and how we can gain the mind of Christ. These are the words of the apostles. These are the words of Paul. These are spirit-taught words explaining spiritual realities. These are not just human words. These are the Holy Spirit's words. These are God's words. This is the message of God's wisdom. They are revealed to us and understood by us and accepted by us only through the power of the Holy Spirit. John Calvin was a 16th century French theologian and reformer and he had a real grasp of many things. But one of the things that he really understood was how God speaks to us. He also had two stepchildren Uh, So he must have been used to the way that a nursery nurse talks to a baby. We've all done it, haven't we? Hello. (laughs) You look a bit silly. How are you? (laughs) Calvin called that lisping. You understand what he means? Lisping a little bit. Not talking properly. So if I talk to any child like that, they normally break into tears. This is what Calvin said. Anyone of even the smallest human intelligence understands that just like nurses do with tiny babies, God lisps as he speaks to us. What we hear from God is not so much the full picture of what God is like as it is simply allowing our tiny human minds to know him at all. To do this for us God had to descend far beneath his own loftiness. Paul shows us in this passage that it is a real privilege.
to know the gospel because we could never comprehend it by ourselves. And he has revealed it to us and we accept it by his spirit. Let me pray. Father, God in heaven, we are sorry for when we wrongly imagine that we have in some way gained an understanding of you that is either deserved or is of our own works or something to do with us, our own intelligence or hard work. Father, remind us tonight, encourage us tonight that we can only know about you through your spirit and that we can know you through your spirit. What great news. And Father, help us not fall into the trap of the Corinthians. Help us to not imagine that having the mind of Christ is some kind of super spiritual ascendancy that we have to gain. But instead, may we remember that the mind of Christ was one of humility and servitude and sacrifice and suffering. And Father, may we evermore dig into your word, spirit-taught words explaining spiritual realities. We will never mine your depths. We will never, until glory, have the mind of Christ. But by your spirit, work on us day by day to that end. In your name, amen.